Our scripture for today is in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Now I confess to you that sometimes as I begin to read passages such as this one here, my first thought is to wonder what exactly these words have to do with the words that we have been studying just before this. Words about temptation, words about lustful desires that lead us to fall into sin and trials of many kinds, it tells us. These words of today's passage just do not seem to relate because here God is talking about good and perfect gifts. But I found that we must always keep in mind that such is never the case, that all of these scriptures are intricately connected with each other, leading us and guiding us along a path that God calls a narrow path. And it's a path that is difficult to navigate, but one which leads to life. And so when we read these verses that have to do with temptation and lustfulness and sinful desires, and then we read where he says that he's going to give us good and perfect gifts, they are intricately related. And they remind me that God is ever and always intimately involved in everything that's taking place, everything, whether it be trials and sufferings or it be these good and these perfect gifts. And one of the things that I've found is that often, though we don't understand it at the time, they are the same. The difficulties that we're having with our own sinfulness and these good and perfect gifts, they are all the same. God is ever and always sovereign over all of the, these diverse matters of life. And he is always providentially, continually having hands-on guidance and direction of all these matters, especially when we purpose in our own hearts to trust in him with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding because he says, when you diligently seek me, I will reward you. Hebrews eleven six. I love the words of Hebrews chapter 1 that tell us that the Lord Jesus has his powerful hand continually at work, literally every minute of the day and every minute detail of existence. I'm going to read for you Hebrews chapter 1, first three verses. Listen to these words. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things. And listen, through whom also he made the worlds. Recall we were just talking about that in Sunday school. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And listen to these words, precious words. And upholding, sustaining all things by the word of his power. Folks, this, this verse 3 here in Hebrews 1 tells us so very plainly that the Lord Jesus not only was the maker and creator of all things, but that he upholds it, that he sustains it. He didn't just create the world and then just stand back and let it run on its own. As so many people, so many Christians, unfortunately, seem to believe. 
Not at all. Jesus is also the sustaining power within all that he created. Everything. Everything. And Jesus doesn't just uphold and sustain and facilitate all the physical elements that make up the heavens and the earth. He's also the sustaining power within every activity and every event that takes place on the earth, even to every molecule that we breathe. I love the thought of that. Nothing, listen, nothing exists, nothing lives and moves and has its being, but by that intimate, ongoing presence and power of the Lord Jesus. That's comforting to me. That's comforting to me. Just think about it. It's incomprehensible to think that he's involved in everything that's taking place every moment of every day in the lives of 7 billion people, but also in all of the elements and activities of of the earth that's taking place. But it's absolutely true. It is true. And the wisest of the wise of this earth, they don't comprehend it. It says in John chapter 1, the darkness did not comprehend him. They're part of that darkness. This wisest of the wise that we have spoken about in 1 Corinthians, they choose instead to explain all of these precious truths about what's going on in this world. They use intellectual or scientific kinds of rationale. But listen, folks, listen. The rain doesn't fall, this earth does not turn, and we don't take our next breath without the intimate, ongoing, good and perfect gift of the sustaining presence and power of the Lord Jesus. Now, if we were Baptists, we could say amen, because that's an amen statement. That's exactly also what you and I have been studying for the past several weeks here in this book of James. All these trials and these sufferings that are taking place all over the earth, they are a mysterious part of this ongoing, wondrous sustaining of all the matters of creation. While we don't necessarily like some of it that's taking place, especially the effects of this virus. Part of what God's doing on this earth. And what he asks us to do is to, by faith, join with him in his plan. He wants us to join with him in our belief and to do our part in carrying forward our part of this plan that he's put into place. And here in our text today, God tells us, in no uncertain terms that he is giving us everything that we need to carry out our part of his plan. He says, verse 16 again, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now, here he is. He's referring to the deceptions that come our way from those intellectuals, the academia, scientific theories, all of those folks, their own version of the truth that they brandish about. He tells us there, he says, do not be deceived. My brothers, every good gift, not just some of them, but every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. We're not to be deceived by all that we see. We used to have a saying, believe what none of what you hear and half of what you see. He's saying here, you can't really believe what you're seeing or what folks would have you to see. Not Don't be carried away by their teachings. He said to us that we must always begin and end with this simple truth. If we can think it, if we can see it, and if we can do it, it is of and by and through the Lord Jesus. He is 
not only the creator, but he is the sustaining power within every part of it. And we're reminded in Romans 11 that it is of him, from him, and through him are all things. Folks, listen, even our faith, the faith by which we believe in Christ is still a gift. The faith that we have to believe in him is a gift to us. It's a free gift. And then also all these abilities that we have to think and to carry out all of our daily responsibilities. It's all of Christ and all of his doing. And best of all, as we're told here, everything that he does, everything that he gives to us is always good and perfect. And we can fully trust everything that he does to always be good and perfect because as it tells us here too, he never varies or changes. He never varies or changes. His holiness today, his righteousness today, his truth today is, is going to be the same tomorrow. It's going to be the same forever. And that's such an important thing for us to understand. Why? Why do I mention that? Why do I mention that? It's because we're living in a day and a time and a culture especially when there is no stability of truth. There is no stability of truth. People at the highest levels of academia especially, and of our government, they're all telling us that what was true in former times, it's not appropriate now. It's not appropriate in today's culture. And they tell us that the uh, basic guiding documents even of our government, that they need to change in order to meet the needs and be relevant to today's culture. And folks, sadly, even many of our own church denominational leaders are saying much the same thing about our scriptures and about some of the basic doctrines that has actually brought us this salvation that we treasure so faithfully. Those leaders are telling us now that we must change our ministry to fit the times, to fit the culture that we're in, that we live in, that yesterday's truth is no longer appropriate, that it's no longer truth that we have to change in order to stay relevant to our congregations. That is a real popular word out there today, that churches have to stay relevant to their congregations. And folks, may I say to you, that has a problem. That has a real problem. They're saying that about most all of the prominent social issues that are taking place today, that are being put forth in our media. For instance, like those supporting women's free choice to kill their unborn babies. That's no longer true in so many of our congregations, our Christian congregations. You have people that are assuming half-truths, half-truths like, well, yes, that's so, but in case of this or that. No, God's Word is true today. It's the same as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And also being screamed from our rooftops today even coming from our Supreme Court this past week, that men and women should be able to profane their bodies with men and women of the same sex, even to marry them, demanding, demanding that our church doctrines change in order to stay relevant to that portion of our congregation, that portion of our culture. I also mentioned another matter that's taking place in an earlier message, and it's about one of the most prominent preachers today in the city of Atlanta, one of the largest churches, has about 35,000 members. He declares weekly that the Bible is no longer relevant. I would suggest that you find out who that is and not listen to it. He says, especially, these are his words, he says, we need to unhitch our faith 
from the Old Testament. Somehow this man, who grew up in a very Christian home with a very Christian dad, he ignores verses like that in 2 Timothy 3 where we read, all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, that verse is talking about both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because you'll recall when Paul wrote those words, much of the New Testament hadn't even been written. So he was referring back to the Old Testament. But this man insists for his congregation and everybody that will hear him out on the internet that we need to unhitch ourselves from the scriptures. Sadly, folks, God knew very well that such things as that would take place. And he warned us in 2 Timothy 4. Let me read these words for you. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now folks, this kind of teaching and preaching really is becoming more and more prevalent within our mainline churches today. One other, it has to do with the God is love portion of our Christian church. God is love. He is. Yes. Yes, God is love. But he's also holy. He is also righteous. But they leave that portion out. And so these people who want to heap up for themselves, speakers, teachers, they have itching ears to hear what they want to hear. And so those men become pastors and preachers and leaders, itching ears. I do hope that none of us will ever have that kind of itching ears. But let me say that God's Word, His holy truth, stands separate and above all the opinions and all the desires and the teachings of men. And that truth is being clearly given within the pages of these scriptures. The truth that we have in these scriptures is true today as it was yesterday and as it was at the foundations of the earth and as it will be at the end of time. God's precious words of truth are His best good and perfect gift from above that He speaks about here in verse 17. Every good and perfect gift these scriptures, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or no shadow due to change. Folks, you ever stop for a moment to think what God is saying here just in these words? He says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Father of lights. It's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Odd phrase. To add, we understand coming down from the Father. He's the Father of lights. Now some of our more liberal teachers will say, well, we're just talking about stars. No, we're not. When God said, let there be light, it wasn't just light for us to see by. It was this special light that comes from Him that enables us to see things that we have never seen before. Truths from these scriptures. That's why so many people, the wisdom of the wise, can read these and not understand them. They can give their opinions, but they won't understand them. Why? It's because they don't have the light. They don't have God's light within them to be able to understand. And so they can't explain it to us. But every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And then listen to verse 18 that we've just read. Of His own will, He, being God, 
brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Now the great Bible teacher A.W. Tozer used an expression more than once in his books describing our ability to be able to understand these scriptures and he would say that a plain man a plain man can read and understand these words if we have the Holy Spirit living in us. A plain man can read and understand these words. And that's so with this verse 18. It doesn't take a theologian to understand that it was God. It was God of his own will, not our own, who has saved us. Listen to these words again. Verse 18. You and I are plain men, plain women. Of his own will, that's God, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then I also want to repeat some other scriptures that uh, I gave to us in an earlier message. There in 1 Peter 1, chapter 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you pick up on two of the words there? Caused and born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us. He didn't invite us. That's not the word. He didn't invite us and say, well, if you would like to, come on down. No. He said, He has caused us to be born again. Now those words there in 1 Peter that I just read a moment ago there, they are the exactly the same as verse 18 that we read there in James. They're profound. They speak of a power, a power that's beyond anything that you and I can possess. And I say praise be to God because that's the reason I'm a believer and that's the reason I'm standing here today. And he tells us so clearly that we, we plain men, we plain women can understand this truth, that it is God and it is God alone who has brought salvation into our souls. It's not of our own random decisions. He himself caused us to be born again and yes, yes, we did at some point in that transaction. We agreed with him. We accepted his call. We walked down that aisle perhaps and we prayed that sinner's prayer and we received Christ into our heart. Yes. And our willfully accepting and receiving Christ as our Savior and Lord is a necessary part of that transaction of our salvation. By the way, we read that in John chapter 1. We have to both believe in him and receive him. But listen. Listen, it was never we ourselves who thought up the idea of our salvation and then brought it into being. The unchangeable truth, the unchangeable truth was that it was always God as the first cause, not you and me. But God and God alone, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Again, these are profound words. They're even mysterious because, again, we were talking about the word of God and how it's so strange that God is also speaking of Jesus, but he's doing the same thing here. This word of truth is also the living word, which is the Lord Jesus. And no, I don't understand it, but I know that it's true. I do believe it. In other places in Scripture also, Jesus is spoken about as the first fruits, as these verses here tell us that he is the first fruit of creation. And God's saying that also, that yes, Jesus is the first fruit, but now he has by adopting you and me and saving us, he's bringing us to be just as Jesus in that sense, that we become first fruits of Christ. Now, you might recall in John 15 that Jesus said to his disciples and to us, 
He says, I'm the vine. I am the true vine and you are the branches. And he says, because you are born again, out of you will come fruits of righteousness. If you abide in me, he says, you'll bear much fruit. Now that's amazing. But listen, again, we are plain men and plain women. And we ought to be able to understand that. And it will become simple to our understanding if we will read it and believe it. As we abide in him, there in chapter 15 of John, he says, as as you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. It's a great plan how we will nourish those who we come into contact with every day. How we as fathers on this Father's Day, we need to be nourishing our children. He says, take these commandments and teach them diligently to your children. As you lie down, as you rise up, as you walk along the way. It's an amazing plan that we would be able to be these fruits that would nourish those around us and especially our families. But he also promised to us that he would not just command that we go out. He says to us, go ye. But as he commands us to go ye, he says, I will equip you to do what I want you to do. Listen to these words because I want us to remember them. Whatsoever God purposes for us to do as his adopted children, he will pour out in us the special gifts that we need to accomplish all that he calls us to do. I want to say that again. Whatever God purposes for us to do as his adopted children, he will pour into us these special gifts that we need to be able to accomplish them. We'll not be doing them by our own power. We'll not be saying words that we think up. Let me give you some of the gifts that he, these good and perfect gifts that he spoke about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He equips us with this. He says there in 1 Corinthians 12, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And among these gifts, he says, To one is given the word of wisdom. Do you have a word of wisdom by the Holy Spirit? He says to another, he will give a word of knowledge. Do you have words of knowledge? To another, he'll give faith. And then over in Romans, he says, To some I'll give the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy is not intended to mean foretelling the future. Prophecy here is telling forth the words of God. He says, to another one, I will give the gift of faith. To another, I'll give the gift of ministry. Do you have the gift of ministry? To another, I'll give the gift of teaching. Are you able to teach? To another, he says, I'll give the gift of exhortation. To others, I'll give the gift of giving. I'll have, I'll give money. Make sure you have money so that you can give it and give it liberally, he says. And he says, to another, I'll give the gift of leadership. Are you a leader? And then over in Ephesians, he says, some I'll call to be evangelists. Some I'll call to be pastors. Others I'll call to be teachers. This is wonderful, folks. Each of us has been given good and perfect gifts. You and I have received at least one of these, if not more of these gifts. And he says, the reason is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What are we supposed to do with that? You and I are supposed to be diligent to search out and see which of these gifts have been given to us. Do you know what your gift is? He commanded you to go ye into all the world and preach this gospel. By the way, that's not an invitation. Not an invitation. That's a command. But what are you going to say when you go out there? He will equip you with these gifts. And folks, listen. You and I are now adopted children and we're now part of the royal family. Have you ever thought about that? 
We are now part of the royal family, and we have greater responsibilities than we had before. And he's called us to carry out those responsibilities. And he has given us these spiritual gifts, equipping us to do it before he sends us out. And you and I need never make an excuse and say, oh, uh, I'm too old. I confess, sometimes I think that excuse in my mind, I'm getting old. That's not a reason. That's an excuse. And it's not valid. Because whatever God calls us to do, He fits us to do with these gifts. And you and I have to understand that. So let me repeat these words again. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. This is God's plan, and it's an amazing plan. And with His spiritual gifts, He's equipped you and me to go out there and accomplish all that He has in His plan for us. And I'll close with these words. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the words of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Let's pray.